Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, we'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline, and I'm on the marketing team. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Liz. I head up the Ballard Creative Team. We're your host. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer our listener question at the end of each show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at ballarddesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. Now, on with the show. Okay, our guest today is acclaimed TV personality, Carson Kressley. You may know Carson from his role on the original Bravo series, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, as a host for How to Look Good Naked, or even as a judge on RuPaul's Drag Race. But maybe what you didn't know is that Carson recently took over the Ballard Designs Instagram for a day to showcase some of his best entertaining tips. And if you've listened to the show before, you might have heard Carson back on episodes 70 and 125 with his good friend Tom Felicia. It was then that we discovered that you're a big Ballard fan, Carson. And so we thought we could invite you back on the show and talk all about the gorgeous poolside space you have and um, how you entertain there. And we wanted you to share all of your amazing tips with our listeners. So welcome back to the show. Yeah, thank you so much. I am such a Ballard fanatic. And when the catalogs come, it's like Christmas morning and I, I save them all and I cherish them and I like savor them and I bring them to the bathtub or I take them on a plane with me because I want to like go through everything and see all the new stuff and then visit with some of my old faves. And, um, and uh, I'm just a big fan. So thank you for having me. And yes, I, I did get to um, have the opportunity to take over you guys' Instagram to showcase my poolside, which I kind of gave, I did a makeover myself basically on the space. And like so many people, I had a pool space, but it really wasn't functioning at 100% because it wasn't, uh, I don't want to even say decorated, but I will say outfitted with the proper things. And when you have the proper things, it makes entertaining so much easier. And I think the key word here is graciousness. Like you want to have a beautiful space that's very inviting, but also makes entertaining easy and um, comfortable for people because the number one rule for entertaining is to make people feel like they're at home. And doing that in your own home is so lovely, and it's it's a very gracious way of um, entertaining people. And I like to create a mini resort in my backyard. And you know, when you're really, really busy and you're working all the time, you don't have to go on a trip to have a vacation. You can have a vacation right in your backyard. And that was the goal with my pool space. And I incorporated a bunch of things from Ballard that I really love. I am obsessed with Bunny Williams. Ah. Aren't we all? <laughs> yeah, you all know. And your listeners may or may not know that there's a big furniture trade show every year, twice a year in High Point, North Carolina. And the industry calls it High Point and all of the different brands show there. And Bunny is oftentimes there. And I will literally like follow her around like a private detective <laughs> and like peek through bushes and be like, oh, I'm going to go have lunch now. And I like see what showroom she's going to. And then if I'm really brave, I walk up and I say hello. And I fangirl like crazy. And she's like usually sitting like on a faux bois bench somewhere. And um, <laughs> she's probably just about ready to get a restraining order for me. <laughs> but I love her. So they, one of the focal points, I think for an outdoor space, you have the functional and then you have the mm-hmm. focal. And the focal doesn't always have to really do anything, um, but it's great if it does. And in my pool space, 
I have a little tiny pool house, which is built like a dove coat, like a little pavilion. And on either side of that door, I placed the Bunny Williams faux bois demi-lune tables. And they have a real like, oh, yes. Adirondack woodland <clears throat> feeling. They look That's like so faux, faux bois, which is, you know, the uh, 1920s French process of casting furniture to look like wood. So it's usually really heavy concrete. And uh, in this case, you all made them out of the most amazing lightweight I think it's like a polyurethane something or other fiberglass. And I left them out there all winter. They weathered beautifully, not a scratch, not a stain, not a fade. And on one of those tables, I have all of my uh, pool stuff. So there's sun hats, there's uh, suntan lotion, uh, sunscreen, trucker hats. I know I even so have So smart. <laughs> and I have one of the photopiaries in a, in a pot. The photopiaries, again, when I'm creating that space, it's like, I want to have greenery. I don't have a lot of water like spigots at my pool side. I have like one and I don't want to have 80,000 hoses. So in places where I can't get water, I do a terracotta pot. I do a round topiary ball from Ballard. They look incredible. No one knows they're fake. And um, just like my teeth, they give a lot of look and a tailored really chic appearance. And then on the other demi-lune table, I set an outdoor bar, which before when I was entertaining people and literally Memorial Day, I had maybe 25 guests over. We're all lounging around the poolside. It used to be that people would traipse in through my sunroom, through my living room with like tan sisal like rugs that stain like incredibly easy to go to the bar where they would inevitably drop a maraschino cherry onto the sisal and then step on it. So <laughs> you don't want people going in and out of your house making drinks. So if you can set up an outdoor bar, which I did on that dining table, and I, I just put my favorite alcohol on different trays, but in their original bottles, some pool-safe glassware, some of the beautiful Ballard hand-embroidered cocktail napkins, some lemons and some limes, a cute ice bucket with like a fox hunting scene on it. And um, people were ready to go and they served themselves. And it was so amazing because everybody can serve themselves. I could enjoy the pool and mixing and mingling with my people. And every once in a while, I go over there and make sure there's ice and enough mixers. And it was fantastic. There was no traipsing in and out of my house. Everybody got the drink that they wanted, when they wanted. The Ballard table, you don't have to worry about spilling on it. It's basically like fake concrete. And that just worked so beautifully. So entertaining can be easy when you have the right stuff. I love your point about, you said like you could relax and enjoy yourself. And I, I often find that the best parties is when the host and hostess are able to be relaxed and happy and they're not like rushing around because then that makes everybody else nervous. They feel like, Oh, like I got to help. What can I do? You know, this person's stressed. Yes, and so yes. doing all the prep work, like you're saying is such a good way to ensure that you and your guests have, you know, a great time. Yeah. So I love yeah. that, that point. And that can be, you know, it doesn't have to be just a summertime thing with outdoor entertaining. You can do that for a holiday party and, you know, I, when I did my Ballard um, fall entertaining guide, set up my dining room table with beautiful Bunny Williams dishes and, and, and barware, 
I did a bar inside, same thing, different mixers, different alcohols, and then um, ice. Okay, but what hats did you provide? What I didn't have hats for that one. (laughs) I should have had hats. I didn't have any trucker hats. I didn't have any big straw hats, but... Maybe crowns? Do y'all ever do those like paper crowns at the holidays? You could do crowns. That's very English, which is fun. But I didn't do that. But it was still the same, you know, self-service kind of thing. And it allows you to roam around and have fun. And like you said, if you seem frantic, your guests are not going to have a good time because they're going to either feel bad for you or they're going to want to help or whatever they're thinking they shouldn't be thinking. They should just be having a good time. You are such a thoughtful host. I I actually really just love the idea of providing hats and sunscreen and all of that for your guests because those are there it's a small detail but it really it really shows that you care about the people who are there. Yeah, and I've, you know, I've traveled so much that when I and again it was going back to creating that backyard resort. When I go to a great hotel, they have fluffy towels by the pool, they have sunscreen, they have magazines. There's a really fun one. This is a travel tip. There's a fun hotel in Palm Springs called the Holiday House. And they even have a little like rolling ice cream cart, like an ice cream man would have. And they have it filled with obstacles and ice cream sandwiches. And it is such a great idea. I'm going to have to get one of those. So, okay. When, you know, you mentioned you have your your self-serve bar, right. you have your pool looking all chic. What's like your food approach? Are you like someone that likes to cook or yeah here's the deal i love to entertain in the summer summer's my happy time i actually have a tv show on food network called barbecue brawl that i do with bobby flay it's coming out july 10 so i got inspired to start grilling and i got the big green egg and like the whole nine yards and then i've never made this is just a total aside this is an hopefully an entertaining and not too tragic story But on the show, they had made a lot of chicken thighs because when you make barbecue chicken, apparently the thigh is the juiciest and it's what everyone recommends. So I went to the grocery store last summer and I saw chicken thighs in a big thing. And I was like, these are so affordable and they're supposed to be delicious. And instead of hot dogs and hamburgers, I'll make barbecue chicken thighs. And I put them all on the grill. And then I went to the pool to like swim or say hello to, you know, people and make sure everyone's good. And when I came back to my covered patio, my barbecue was engulfed in a five alarm fire. I mean, flames shooting to the ceiling of my porch. The roof was black. I seriously thought, oh my gosh, I have to call the fire department. And then I went over and everybody's at the pool and I'm remaining calm. I'm not screaming or anything. And then I closed the lid and eventually the fire went out. But listeners note Learn from my mistakes. Chicken thighs were very fatty. The fat rendered. It went to the bottom of the grill. That caught on fire. And it was basically a boiling, flaming cauldron of chicken fat that was being fanned by the air. So when you close it, you can put it out. But I had no idea that chicken could make such a gigantic fire, but it did. That is terrifying. Now I don't really grill so much anymore. (laughs) Um, Now I just eat barbecue on television and judge it. But... My food approach is, again, any entertaining holiday, summertime, poolside, make everything ahead and keep it simple. So I do a giant Christmas party at my apartment in the city. I buy Kentucky Fried Chicken chicken tenders. I put them on beautiful silver platters. 
I make my own honey mustard and horseradish like dipping sauce. I put that in a beautiful, you know, crystal bowl. I have biscuits and like a crudite tray and people go crazy for it. And they're like, this is the most amazing chicken I've ever had. I'm like, it's from KFC. I went to the drive through <laughs> and I pre-ordered like 300 pieces. So you can do the same thing in summer. I usually do like a big pasta salad and then I'll grill something simple like, you know, gourmet burgers and then have, you know, a vegetarian option. And that's it. I have like three really great things and I don't make it really complicated. I have, I set up a buffet. Again, you could use those Bunny Williams tables or just a picnic table is fine. You put a cute tablecloth on. You use melamine serving wear. So it all is, you know, durable and safe, but still looks great. And I keep it really simple and people love to just serve themselves and they can take it to the pool or they can, also, I have a lot of outdoor rooms. I have a covered patio. I have some tables by the pool. I have a table inside my pool house. So I just give people options to find their own little nooks and they can, you know, take their food and have a, you know, a moment. One thing we didn't talk about too, like the essentials that I love to have at my pool, besides having, you know, having drinks available, having a buffet of food, comfortable seating is so important. Mm-hmm. Splurge for the good cushions, get the umbrella. And then the last thing that I don't want to forget about, um, I have two of the big market umbrellas. Oh, shade, yeah. And I did them in black and they look so chic. I have black and white cabana striped cushions on everything. I have a very traditional house, you know, colonial red brick, red brick pool house. The black and white looks so handsome and tailored. And then I have the black umbrellas, which pops with all of the greenery around the pool. And um, but having those umbrellas is great. Nobody wants to get a lot of sun. Like the days of sun worshiping are over. I have six of the chaise long chairs and I have three of the umbrellas. And they're just on stands that don't blow over all from Ballard. Super great quality. I was so impressed by them. And um, I just have them there. And if somebody wants to, to have shade, they pop up their umbrella And by the end of the day, almost all of them are up. They look incredible. They provide great coverage and they just make it more comfortable because people don't want to be in the blazing sun all day long. I even have one down at the barn because it is a farm and I have one in the riding arena so that if my niece or somebody is like giving a riding lesson, they can stand under a big umbrella. And um, the horses didn't love it at first, but they've they've, now they think it's fantastic. I wouldn't have even thought of that, but. I'm so glad the horses love it now. <laughs> yeah, now they're like, we love Ballard. <laughs> so, okay. Um, I loved when you talked about your Christmas party because your your apartment in New York was just featured in House Beautiful. Yes. Um, what would you say is your sort of style, um, like approach in New York versus on your farm in Pennsylvania? Right. Well, I, you know, I consider myself an amateur decorator. And I think that's why I love Ballard so much because it gives kind of, it gives access to people like me to really great designer product, but you don't have to be an interior designer to get it. And it's not as expensive as, you know, the real like designer, like custom made kind of things. And I approach designing any home. I start with the location, like where is this house? Where is this apartment? So my building in New York city is from the 1930s. It's uh, like a, a slightly art deco, art modern style. Uh, it has a sunken living room and has the zinc casement windows. It's very like Holly Go Lightly. 
It's very classic New York. It's very 1930s. So I used that to inform the design style. Like I didn't want to do like, you know, all modern furniture and, and white and make it look like some modern, you know, penthouse in the sky. I wanted to be respectful of the time period of the building. So most of the light fixtures in there are, you know, sconces from the 1930s. My approach for that apartment was to make it look like I'd had it since, you know, it was built and I kept updating it through the years. So most of the fixtures, you know, like the bath fixtures, the kitchen things, I try to keep them very classic. They're very waterworks. They look like they might've been there in the 1930s, but they're updated. Then I'm updated throughout the years. Like I have very modern side chairs um, that are boucle that look like modern French and just a couple different things. I have some modern print pillows. Those little things take it from being boring traditional to I think like designed and sexy and chic traditional. And I just really kept it to where the building is. It's on Park Avenue. It's from the 30s. It's kind of Ralph Lauren. It's very handsome. There's a lot of nickel. There's a lot of uh, chrome. Sometimes I'll have fun with light fixtures. Like I have a modern 70s, just smoked globe in my foyer just to update it. I think the mix and great design is all about tension, whether it's an outfit that you're wearing or a space that you're designing. Everything shouldn't be expected and match and be from the same designer or the same period. You should have some things that kind of surprise people and say, wow, this looks really up to date, even though it's an older building or an older apartment or a, or a historic house. Throwing in a piece of modern art, a great accessory that's very updated, could be jewelry. If you're talking about dressing a person, those things keep it current and keep it fresh and make it cool without making it trendy. I am not a trendy person. And people are always like, no, you're a fashion guy. I'm like, look at where I live and how I dress. Like, when I'm not doing RuPaul's Drag Race, I'm a very like, you know, traditional, old fashioned, Ralph Lauren-y kind of guy. So, okay. I think in one of our previous episodes, you told us the story of auditioning for Queer Eye. Yes. I know I've heard this story. I'm pretty sure it was on the podcast. And so, you know, obviously fashion is your passion and your background. Um, were you interested in interiors from the beginning or was it something that sort of dovetailed, dovetailed off of your fashion interest later in life? No, I've always loved interiors. And, you know, I grew up outside of Allentown, Pennsylvania in a rural area. And we, my parents built their house in 1976. And I was um, very involved in the design process. Like my mom had a lady come to the house to do custom drapery. And I remember I had to look at the swatches and I was like 10 years old. And I'm sure they were all like, um, get this kid out of here. But I was very instrumental in that. We had a mural in our house in Allentown. So now I, of course, have to have a mural here. I've always loved design. And I think design and fashion go hand in hand. And then when I started working for Ralph Lauren, that company, even just our offices, were so beautifully designed that you could not help but be influenced by the space around you. And that's where I learned about, you know, mixing antique Persian rugs and, and different, you know, beautiful Iranian rugs and then modern, you know, the clear cylinder lamps with the modern like 1980 shades. Like there was a lot of people think Ralph Lauren is, you know, just hunt country and very equestrian, but there was a lot of other design influences there from French club chairs to 
you know, they would do a Ralph Lauren modern collection and very art deco and engine turned. So I've always loved design and then working at Ralph Lauren solidified it. And then also being in New York City, um, you get to, you know, I would go to the D&D building, which is called the Decoration and Design Building. And you're not supposed to go there unless you're like a licensed interior designer. But I would put on a cute outfit and I would have a briefcase and I would walk around and shop and get ideas. That's smart. That's a good trick. Yeah. And then in later years, when I was actually wanting to buy stuff at the D&D Center, I would walk around and I would say I was just shopping for Tom Felicia. And I would buy things for myself. I did this at High Point too. And I didn't really ask Tom first. I was just like, he'll be fine with it. And when you buy wholesale and you're not an accredited or licensed designer with a wholesale account, you have to buy from somebody who has an account with this resource. So I would just say, yes, I'm with Tom Felicia. And I bought cowhide chairs from a vendor and they had like they were like French chairs with cowhide. They're very un-Tom Felicia. Tom's very modern. And then I ordered them. And of course, they were shipped to Tom Felicia's office in New York City without no. him knowing. And then like one day, they were like, um, I have some chairs with your name on it on my loading dock. And I said, <laughs> oh, yeah, those are mine. I'll be right over to get those. Fortunately, <laughs> his office is very close to my apartment. And I was able to collect them. But I love them. And that's that's how an amateur like me can crack the <laughs> <laughs> and that's what friends are for. Yes, exactly. Really. Absolutely. Would you mind talking us through your house? Um, you're in Pennsylvania as well, the one you're in right now? Yeah, yeah. This is, um, my family has had a farm in this part of Pennsylvania since my grandparents bought it in the 1920s. They got married in 1925 and they bought the farm like in 1926. And my mom grew up here. My sister lives on the original stone farmhouse. It's from the 1850s. My niece now lives there. So it's, I don't know, like five generations. And uh, there was a house that was overlooking the farm that was built in the 1970s by a contractor who built a lot of homes in this area. And it was for sale, I don't know, about 15 or between 15 to 20 years ago. And when I just started doing Queer Eye and I just bought an apartment in New York and then this house became for sale and I went and I looked at it. And like so many young people, I was like in my 30s, I was overwhelmed. Like the thought of action for a New Yorker, I had lived in New York for 20 years for the thought of owning a piece of property with like a pool and like a garage. I was like, I'm going to have to buy tools and a lawnmower and all this stuff that New Yorkers don't buy. So I was overwhelmed and I did not buy it. And uh, some other people bought it. And 10 years passed and they wanted to relocate to a warmer climate. I went and looked at it again. And I have a good friend who's a realtor and he gave me the confidence to actually like take the plunge and buy a second home, which I'm so glad that I did. I have not regretted it in this for one moment. And I, I, there was an interview with another celebrity I read once and it said, you know, I got a second home, which sounds insane, but I just knew that I just had to work harder. So that's what I did. I just, anytime there was an offer, it's like, would you like to host drag bingo in Omaha? Yes, I'll do it. Would you like to, you know, be the grand marshal of gay pride Peoria? We'll pay for your airfare. I was like, yes, I'll do it. I was doing everything just to make sure that I could, you know, like have a second home and it all worked out. I love it. This house was built in the 1970s by a contractor, but it has a lot of great details. It was a colonial 
it was around the bicentennial. So there was a lot of colonial enthusiasm happening in the United States. And at that time, everyone was doing a colonial revival kind of two-story suburban Connecticut farmhouse style. So that's what this is. But because he was a contractor, he used a lot of, you know, I have real wooden beams in my den and real wooden beams in my breakfast room. And the house is made of handmade brick. So it's just things that weren't real pedestrian were used in making this house because it was a builder's house. And that's a great tip. If you ever have a chance to buy the house of a professional builder, they use the best stuff. They also use whatever they have laying around. So there'll be <laughs> some rooms where you're just like, I don't know why this is in here. Random window. Yeah, there's some, that doesn't match. Yeah, there's yeah. some <laughs> things like, like I have crown molding in my garage. Okay. Um, just oh, that's because extra. Like, that's really fun. Had crown molding. That's amazing. And uh, it was very original when I bought it. It had shag carpeting. It had popcorn ceilings. It was built in 1973. So you can only imagine but it had great bones and it was built with great materials. And I really knew that just, I'm not a good renovator, but I'm a very good decorator in the truest sense. Like I can dress it up and it was mostly cosmetic changes. So I took out the shag carpet, had wooden floors put in. I got rid of the popcorn ceiling, which is a real biatch. And all of my contractors (laughs) were like, you should just leave it. I was like, absolutely not. So we had to like scrape, all of the ceilings, replaster the ceilings. Um, but other than that, it was mostly, and all new bathrooms and a new kitchen is probably going to have to happen soon. But the rest is just, it's very traditional. When I got it, I was just like, I'm going to make this look like a Club Monaco, like whitewashed oak floors and white walls and some gray here and there and sisal. And if J. Crew designed a horse farm, that's what I wanted it to look like. I cannot help myself. <laughs> it wound up looking like my New York City apartment. <laughs> I just like stuff. It's like Green Acres. And so I have, you know, muraled walls and I have bookcases everywhere and um, crown molding. And it's just, it's a little dressier than a Club Monaco. And it's definitely fearing <laughs> more Ralph Lauren. But for me, and I think a lot of listeners, like buy what you love, whether it's wallpaper or carpet or flooring or furniture or art. And your style will evolve. Like there's going to be a pattern that shows and there's going to be consistency and you're going to have to do some editing. Yes, because you will make some mistakes. But overall, I didn't plan this house. I didn't plan the design. It's also going to be in House Beautiful this fall. It just over time just evolved. So um, that's kind of the walkthrough, but it's, you know, it's very Pennsylvania. Uh, It's a lot of, you know, rough hewn wood. And then the living room and dining room are a little more glam. And the most important thing is that I have six bedrooms and a guest house and I have room for lots of people to come over. And, you know, my New York city friends come, a lot of them came from Memorial day and we just camp out and everyone gets a room and we cook food and it's exactly what a country house should do. That was actually going to be my next question was going to, I was going to say, I'm sure people come to you Mm -hmm. for your poolside experience. And so how do you host them overnight? How do you, what's your tips and tricks for overnight guests? Oh gosh. Yeah. That's really daunting. And I grew up in a 1976, you know, one level ranch house. We had three bedrooms. There were three kids, my two parents, like we didn't ever have a guest room, like a guest room and overnight guests was like an unknown concept. And I remember watching Home Alone and they, you know, they had that big house in suburban Chicago 
and they had room for guests and people were shoved everywhere and some were sleeping in the attic. And I thought, oh my God, that looks so fun. When I grew up, I need to have a house with extra bedrooms so I can have people stay over. So eventually that happened. Uh, But it is daunting, like taking care of somebody like that. But it goes down to the same entertaining principles as food and drink and poolside and holiday party. Do as much as you can in advance. Keep it simple and focus on comfort. So my guest rooms have to have certain things. I always have a carafe with some ice water in it. I, if it's summertime, I put some fresh flowers in from my garden and it's literally just a bunch of peonies jammed in a julep cup. It's not fancy. Simple, simple, simple. That sounds like heaven. Yeah. And bedding, my furniture is, you know, some ballards, some antiques, things that I've collected, things my parents gave me. It's not precious, but it's very sentimental. I always do white sheets. I feel like white sheets are the most serene. They look the crispest. They look the cleanest. And I'm just a real sheet snob. So I do the best possible sheets. Everything else is really simple. Three sets of pillows, soft, medium, firm, extra blankets in the closet. Oh, here's a good tip. I think this is really fun slash insane. I have a different set of towels because people are like, oh, where do I get the towels? What towel should I... There's a weird thing about towels. I'm the same way when I go to someone's house. I'm like, should I take a towel from your bath? Oh, what towel should I use? So I ordered, there's a full towel set, two bath towels, two hand towels, two washcloths for every bedroom that fits two people. And they're color coordinated and monogrammed with the Fox Hill Farm monogram. So I have a lavender bedroom. That one has lavender towels with a navy blue monogram. I have a brown and orange Hermes bedroom. <laughs> that one has orange towels with a white monogram. My bedroom is white and gray. It has white with gray monograms. So every every person knows what towels they're supposed to be using. When I wash them, I know where the towels go. And they just go in the closet of that bedroom. They're dedicated to that space. And it works out great. So I think if you have um, water, flowers, good bedding, and good towels, you're kind of done. And then I always have, I hoard hotel amenities. So when I go to a really nice hotel and someone's paying for it, I take (laughs) home all of the molten brown shampoo and conditioner. I don't take the stuff from the Sheraton, you know, I'm just like, no, you can keep it. Um, But when I go someplace fancy and they have molten brown or they have that, um, they have that brand, they have Diptyque. Some hotels have Diptyque stuff. Mm -hmm. The Parker in Palm Springs has Hermes soap. And you betcha, I take all the Hermes soap. Before house, housekeeping comes, you're like, I'm going to hide this in my suitcase so they oh, think it's yeah. gone. I use everything <laughs> up in the morning. I'm just like, it's all gone. And then they give me more. And then I have Amazing. a little drawer in my all of the guest bathrooms that are filled with toothbrushes and first class flight kits and eye masks and earplugs. And they were all free. That's smart. That I love the towel trick. I I actually do the mm-hmm. same thing, but with sheets. Right. I, I totally get your all white thing, but I feel like folding a sheet, especially if you have multiple bedsides, you know, you have like a king and a queen and a twin. Right. And when they're all white sheets in the laundry, they all look exactly the same. So having them be different colors, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, you're totally I know what right. this one, where yeah. this one goes. Yeah, that totally works. I agree with you. As long as they're not like an ugly color, like something someone pulls back to the blanket and they're like, ah. Well, no, or like a pattern. I have some that are patterned, you know? Yeah. I don't mind like a floral sometimes or a stripe, you know, like 
anything like in the yeah. Ralph Lauren kind of world, I'm I'm okay with even a, a color. A subtle. Print. Yeah. That's fair. No, those are good tips and tricks. Mm. I think everybody always is trying to, you know, make it the most comfortable experience. So they'll come back. Like I said, it's just simple stuff. Like it doesn't have to be like your space doesn't have to be like super decorated. It doesn't have to be opulent. You just have to have the basics because uh, most of the time people aren't going to be staying up in their room. It's just for sleeping. And you want the sleep experience to be, you know, super comfortable. Um, this is a Karen Mooney trick, but it's something that I always try to think about is having the Wi-Fi password written down somewhere. Right. So Karen has the has a needle pointed onto a pil- pillow that is on the bed. Oh, my gosh. That's genius. As long as you just can't change your, your password ever. No, or you have to learn how to needle point. You do. <laughs> yeah, true. My password I haven't changed since it came with like the the system, and it's you know it's like the most random password ever. It's like you know like Philadelphia nine one seven eight. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Okay, well I was gonna say if it's random letters like A seven lowercase Z, right, right, uppercase K, then you really can't. You have to make it something cute. Okay, I want to know about how much time you prep because. We're talking about prepping before the before the party. Right. How much time are you putting in? Is it a little bit here, a little bit there? Is it a full day? Like what is what does prepping for a party look like? Uh, prep for an outdoor party is pretty easy because I try to have most of the things on hand already. You know, I'm a big Costco shopper, so I have you know a lot of like bulk food items at the ready that I you know dress up, and it's all about you know how you serve it. And then as far as like prepping my outdoor space, it probably takes, you know, a couple of evenings after work, I'll go out and like, you know, zhuzh up all the spaces and like, make sure the pool has been vacuumed. Like everything's a robot now. So I spend most of my time just plugging in the different devices and watching them scrub away. So if you divide it up, like if I'm going to have people over for the weekend, maybe I'll start on Wednesday night and I'll fluff up certain areas, make sure things are super clean. And then day of, I just, you know, I have everything at the ready and I just set it out, put ice out, put mixers out. I put the pillows, I have pillows on all of my chaise long to kind of make it pop. And I don't leave those out there because they will blow into the next county while I'm, you know, back in New York. Yeah, I don't, it's after a while, you just get into a rhythm where you know how to do it and prep is very quick. What is your approach? Okay, we talked about the food, but I have was was recently thinking about this. What is your opinion on Paper, plastic, utensils, or do you like the real thing? I am super aware and vigilant about single-use plastics, and I I hate them just because I think about like, oh my God, somebody used a fork like one time to like, you know, eat a piece of blueberry pie, and now that's going to like be in a landfill for the rest of eternity. So um, I try to use things that are outdoor friendly, but are not disposable. So I'll use melamine plates. And I know those are also made of plastic, but at least we're not throwing them away. And I will normally use like regular silverware. And it's, you know, it's, it could be the Bunny Williams, you know, tortoise silverware that I have from you guys. It doesn't have to, you know, you're not going to use your like fancy, fancy Christopheli, whatever, but nothing's going to happen to your silverware. If you drop it outside, uh, it's not going to be damaged. So I would much rather use real silverware melamine plates, shatterproof melamine glasses, and I pop them all in the dishwasher and it's fine. And to me, it's, there's nothing worse when I see like a garbage bag after a party full of plastic plates and, and utensils. 
It drives me mad. Um, so I'm definitely, I use the real stuff. I have dug through the trash after a party, like a raccoon, like recycling things before Absolutely. where people like just <laughs> missed it. And I'm like, you know, like not, a, I'm not talking food, but you know, like if it's a whole bunch of cups and like cans, you're like, all right. So maybe less like a raccoon, but like a little bit like a raccoon. <laughs> I've I've done it. I've done it after parties. Okay. <laughs> with like plastic, I I, was some, I used to order like the plastic tumblers that you could monogram, but they were like not meant to be thrown out. And I would literally like go through the garbage and pick out cigarette butts and yes. lime wedges like all night long and put those suckers <laughs> in the dishwasher because I would definitely have to get several uses out of them. I'm not above going through the garbage to pick out plastic. <laughs> I also think that's a great, to your point earlier about sort of dressing things up like the KFC, I think that's another great way to do that. Just like if you have real plates and glasses, then get yeah. some $5 bottles of wine from Trader Joe's. But if you have a real glass, it feels very fancy. It looks beautiful. I mean, we eat with our eyes before we eat with our taste buds. So I think presentation is so important. And there's so many great containers you can get now. And if you just, even if you are buying takeout food and you transfer it into a cute, you know, gingham picnic dish or a beautiful, you guys have these amazing, they look like Nantucket baskets. It's a dark um, basket with a small weave. There's a great entertaining ice bucket um, that has a galvanized aluminum liner, but it has that basket around the outside. Those things just make, just put Coca-Cola's in there on ice and it looks fantastic. It's, you know, taking the time to make things look pretty is a sign of respect and good manners for your guests. You cannot help but notice, wow, they went to some trouble to make this lovely for me. And that's really what entertaining is all about. Because we can all go through the drive through at Taco Bell on our own. Yes. So that's the Piper Woven collection, I think, that you're talking mm -hmm. about. Because I saw it in in the reel that you did for us on Instagram. And right. it looked so good that you sold me on it. I love it. I love it. It's very Nantucket to me. It's super handsome. And I don't love like the metal, like ice, you know, soda bottle holders. But when you wrap it in that basket weave, it's just warm and gracious. And I, I love it too. We haven't touched on outdoor lighting, but also in the reel that you did or, or the stories, I can't remember. Um, you talked about the lanterns that you have. I think it's like yeah. the Melba lantern, but the seated yeah, glass. So tell everybody that. about that. Cause I liked your tip about the, the seated glass. Yeah. I have a lot of lanterns. They're really pretty around the pool. They're great. If you're having a party at night and you want to maybe line your front doorway with three or four of them, but they're outside a lot. I don't bring them in every time. They're super durable. They're heavy. They're not going to blow away. I do have some battery operated candles. I put in them. I bring those in because sometimes they can melt. Uh, in the hot sun, but I leave the lanterns outside and the Melba lantern is very modern and I have a very traditional house, uh, but it's a great example of like that yin and yang and the little tension and having something very modern with a very traditional house. They look fantastic. And the actual cylinder, and they're huge. They're like two feet tall. The cylinder is made of seeded glass. And whenever you can use seated glass outdoors, this is a designer tip from the amateur designer, use seated glass because you don't know if it's dirty or not. And I have at my front entrance, I have two like concrete pillars with lanterns on them that are electric. And I chose the seated glass for them. And I'm so glad I did because all of my other outdoor lighting is like beveled, like pretty glass. And I'm out there with like Windex all the time 
because it gets so dirty, like bugs get in there and they go to the bathroom on your light fixture and they just birds and everything. But the seeded glass has those occlusions in it. It looks like there's bubbles in there and you really cannot tell if it's super pristinely clean or not. So it saves you time. And again, everyone's busy. You want to entertain graciously, but we live in a modern fast paced era. You need to cut corners where you can. So takeout is fine. Seated glass is fine. You know, there are some little tricks that make it a little easier because you want to have a good experience as the host too. Like it it shouldn't be laborious or then you're not going to want to do it. Excellent point. Your robots are fine, you know. Oh, my robots are okay, right <laughs> now. You're doing great, guys. <laughs> well, okay. Are you um, gearing up? I mean, I it's, it's summer, but it's already time to start thinking about the next season. Yes. So you mentioned you have a Christmas party. What's your What are your secrets there? You just sort of like decorate the house for the holidays and do your normal yeah. kind of holiday routine. Yeah, I've been doing this. Um, I have a Christmas party in New York in my apartment. My apartment is a one bedroom. It's like a thousand square feet. And I literally jam a hundred people in there. And it's so fun because there's like, you know, all of my friends and then, you know, like Kristen Chenoweth or Kathy and Jimmy or there's always some fun showbiz people too, which all of my friends are all like, oh my God, this is so fun. But I, again, I keep it simple. Like I said, big trays of fried chicken. It's a Kentucky kind of vibe. And I maybe do biscuits and I do a crudite. People are not there to have like dinner. It's just to have some munchies to soak up the booze, essentially. I get a very hot bartender and um, that's always fun. Smart. Um, You know, white shirt, black slacks, Santa hat. And we have a signature cocktail, which keeps things easy. And there's usually two. And they're usually like red and have cranberries or something fun in them. And um, then I can serve lots and lots of people. And the decor I keep really simple. I do a bunch of Christmas trees out at the farm, but in New York, Christmas trees are a real pain and they're super expensive and they're hard to haul up to your apartment. And I did that for years. And now I just, um, I order three beautiful, gorgeous magnolia wreaths from the, down in the plant and flower market. And I put the two giant magnolia wreaths on both of my big uh, windows that look out to Park Avenue. So when you walk in the apartment, there's a big one in the living room, there's a big one in the bedroom. And then I put a smaller one on my front door and that's the decor. That's like it. But there's so many people in there, you wouldn't notice any other decor anyway. And that's really it. It's, you know, a little bit of food, a lot of libations and tons of fun people. And uh, we clear out the furniture of the living room and uh, I have a neighbor who lets me put it in their apartment and that's a dance floor. And uh, here's also a tip. If you're going to entertain a lot, do not buy expensive rugs. I have the antelope rugs from uh, Ballard and my carpet cleaning guy can come and clean them. He does it every year and I don't even worry about it. And they look amazing. And that's, that's what I do. We dance in my living room till like four in the morning. I bribe all my neighbors with like a bottle of wine the day before and invite them, of course. And if I do say so myself, everyone looks forward to it. That does sound like fun. It's fun to have like one thing that you, people know you for and know to look forward to every year, like a signature. Yeah. It's my, that would be my signature event. Yeah. It definitely sounds like a Holly Go Lightly party. Mm -hmm. It is. And it's really fun. Well, we are so 
grateful to have you as uh, such a fan because we're such a fan of yours and you're like such a um, gracious host that Thank it's fun you. to hear all of your, your many tips and your, your strategy. It's, it's a very, um, I don't know. I think hearing from someone who knows how to do it and who does it a lot is helpful to kind of know, you know, what's your plan of attack? Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's, if you keep it simple, I think you could be confident about it. I think the worst thing is like a non-confident host who's not sure because then your guests are going to feel like it's the same with entertainment. If you see somebody on stage and they're like really killing it and they're confident, you and the audience are like, wow, this has been great. I feel safe and like nothing can go wrong and it's going to be fabulous. But if that same performer is like, oh, I don't know if I could do this magic trick. If you sense that lack of confidence, <laughs> you're not going to have as great a time. So keep it simple and then you can be confident and then you're going to have a fabulous party. You know, there's no problem also in just like doing a test run and having maybe a couple people over to kind of get yourself into the, a, a little dress rehearsal. Absolutely. Absolutely. And test out your barware and your serving ware. That's for sure. Test out your recipes. Um, if you are mm. going to do a dinner party or something where the food is more central you definitely want to make stuff before. And for dinner parties, you also want to make as much of the food beforehand as you possibly can, like make the desserts, yeah. do all that stuff. So all you really have to do is heat and serve. The other smart thing about a signature party is that you probably have just truly gotten this down to a science over the years. So you know exactly, you've built, you've, you've built your entertaining necessities. Yes. You know, I need the nice bucket and I need... You can grow it over time and really like mm -hmm. tweak it. That's smart. Yeah, yeah. I, I know how to do it. I think the other trick that I do for that party too is I have two rolling racks. You buy them, you know, anywhere you can buy hangers and stuff like that. And I have tons of hangers and people hang their own coats outside my apartment. If you're having a party yes. at your house and you want to be really fancy, hire, you know, like a neighborhood teenager to like be the coat check person and you know, take everybody's coats at the door and put them in an upstairs closet or throw them on the bed with a number on it. Um, people think that is like the coolest. So that's another little fun True. trick. That's very smart. Yeah, because, well, if you're outdoor, like if you're entertaining in the summer, you don't have to think about it, but for right. winter, especially in New York. I yeah. know, I know there's so many coats and boots and I've even had that party like during snowstorms, and it's just like, okay, you're gonna need to um, take your boots off and then come on in. but. We have fun no matter what. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And before we wrap up, can you tell everyone where they can find you and what to what what are you what what are your other your new and exciting projects that they should be tuning in for? Sure. Um, you can find me anywhere at Carson Cressley, C-A-R-S-O-N-K-R-E-S-S-L-E-Y on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, all those places. Uh, Instagram's my faith. And um, on TV, you can watch me currently on Paramount Plus. We have season eight of RuPaul's Drag Race All Stars. And also starting July 10, you can watch me on Food Network on Barbecue Brawl with Bobby Flay. And I think those are the TV things. And who knows? I might be, you know, I'm always in different towns hosting events at different, um, you know, lots of different gay prides for the season. And, um, you know, who knows? I might be in your town. So follow my Instagram. I always put everything up there. I'm doing Pride Baton Rouge. I'm doing Pride Asbury Park. I'm doing a lot of different uh, Pride events. So you never know where I'll pop up. 
and look for your New York apartment in House Beautiful. And then it sounds like your Pennsylvania yeah. farmhouse in uh, in the fall. Yeah, housebeautiful.com. You can get a little tour of the Park Avenue apartment. That one's online. And then fingers crossed, and I'm pretty sure that it's going to happen. It'll be featured in the actual magazine, The Farm, hopefully in the fall. It's It's been photographed, and you know how it goes. They don't exactly yeah. know exactly when it's going to be, but coming soon. Very exciting. Well, yes, we'll put a link to your um, your New York apartment in the show notes so people can see it. Perfect. Well, Carson, thank you so much. It's always such a fun conversation. I feel like you don't need us. You could just host this whole show on your own. <laughs> no, no, I appreciate you guys so much. And call me anytime you need me. We will, we will. We're a big fan. So. Okay, thanks, thanks so, so much. And that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcast at ballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space. And of course, be sure to follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time, happy Happy decorating. decorating!